Live from Throne, City of Kings, it's Radio Throne. I'm Matt. And I'm Sophie. And we are, uh, today we're going to talk about the first book of Kill Six Billion Demons, Kill Six Billion Demons. Um, we both reread it recently, and uh, I guess, what are your sort of first or maybe second impressions, I guess, of... Um, I mean, I, I guess it was a, sort of a similar impression to when I first read it, which was, um, it just kind of throws you in there, mm-hmm. into the world of Kill Six Billion Demons. Like, there's no, like really intro it just it's just like bam this is what ha- what's happening this here's this guy he gets his head chopped off yeah off we go i think and th- this is something i want to talk about a, l- a little bit more in depth but like the pacing is is super weird um mm-hmm. especially with the intro but because i don't know i and i can't speak for other people but like what drew me into this even with like the really like fast-paced intro and all the the nonsense that started going on immediately was just how interesting and dense everything was and how mm-hmm. even like exposition or just like kind of shots with nothing happening or little action were so engaging because it was so fresh and alien and just beautiful um my first mm-hmm. impression of throne Oh, yeah, like the coloring and just the art, and Mm -hmm. I know we've talked about, like, the backgrounds before, but it's very eye-catching, and, like, it it definitely serves as, like, a good hook. Yeah. Um, One of the things I noticed, uh, specifically this time around, was that there's so much more, like, Studio Ghibli inspiration than I originally recognized. Mm -hmm. Um, The shot with the white chain uh, and... Allison like waiting for the bus uh and yeah it turns out to be this incredibly detailed uh like um giant godhead mech thing uh with lots of different characters on it there's like a radish person looking thing on it <laughs> like that to me is very spirited away how's moving castle inspired oh yeah yeah definitely I don't know. I can't remember the last time I watched Spirited Away, but it definitely, like, certain parts have stuck with me, and, I don't know, similar similar vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, also, another thing that's I guess better this time around is just my comprehension of what's going on. Yeah, that's a very good point. I definitely felt that way as well, especially after, like, we talked a lot about the angels um, in mm-hmm. our previous episodes. And knowing that, um, and having, like, processed that, and now seeing the first couple of pages with, uh, Zoss and the Thorns, um, that makes a lot more sense as to, like, why they captured Zade in the first place, and, like, um, mm-hmm. we, we should have mentioned this earlier, but we are doing, like, even though this is only covering technically the stuff in book one, uh, we are going to be talking with knowledge of and perhaps spoilers of, like, books one through four. Spoilers, uh, yeah. Everything that's currently released right now is the beginning of the fight scene with uh, White Chain and Salami Dave. Um, yes. But 
Yeah, definitely that the first couple of pages, um, like, uh, we get some incredibly deep and complex, like, uh, lore, conflict, and motivations of these different factions, um, Mm -hmm. as well as just some incredible spreads like full page illustrations of like oh yeah uh zos uh appearing or the thorn angels like riding on their skull-faced horses um into allison's room or like allison um being like struck with the key of kings Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff is just so striking and so bold uh kind of what we were talking about like i think our first episode about why we are so like why we got so into kill six billion demons and it really Mm -hmm. starts off like um showing off all of its strengths with uh Mm -hmm. just how unafraid it is to be weird and new and striking and beautiful immediately Mm -hmm. and it's definitely like worth the reread at least a couple times because it was good the first time around but there's you notice more i think uh with each reread Mm -hmm. definitely yeah and um yeah i missed um seeing hell definitely Mm -hmm. um the yeah so Hell, or, or rather, Kill Six Billion Demons takes place pretty much entirely um, in Allison's first day at Throne, uh, up until mm-hmm. Hell 71, which is the uh, brothel, I believe, run by Pramanand. Is that the big, like, gold demon cat the, face guy? Yeah, the, I always thought of him as, like, a weird cat. <laughs> yeah, but he he also compares himself to a dog, which is weird. That's true. In a sort of extended metaphor that kind of falls apart. Um, but yeah, big laser like laser cat. Um, and that that's basically where it ends. We get a lot of exposition and uh, flashbacks and stuff like that. Um, specifically, one that I want to point out is. Um, Kill Six Billion Demons, Chapter 3, page 47, uh, which is part of, I believe, uh, either CO or White Chain explaining the Universal War uh, and Mm, the the first conquest, I think, um, specifically. Mm -hmm. And the one of the panels on that, which is just this um, kind of like radially composed shot of someone uh like latched onto a demiurge's head ripping the key out of his like bleeding <laughs> uh arrow torn body as war mm-hmm. rages around them um is just so incredible in terms of composition and color um i like that's when rereading this that was up there with one of my favorite pages mhm i think just like, if we're talking about favorite pages, I really like, um, 
Just because, it, you know how when you read those books as a kid and then it would come with like a map or like oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about, a yeah. little list of like something and you're like, this is my precious book now and I am a librarian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like the um, spread of just Hell 71. Like it's kind of like a, a section almost. Oh yeah, that kind of reminds it's... me of, are you talking about those books where it showed you like a, like the cross section of a big boat or something like that? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, and, like, I could spend hours looking at them and just looking at little details, mm-hmm. and just very good. I used to read a lot of those, like, um, not, like, I Spy. It was, like, hist- okay, this is very obscure, but historical I Spy. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. I feel like I kind of know what you you're know, talking about. That relatable content of how you used to read those historical I Spy books. But, um, yeah, just on the spread, you could see a bunch of little tiny figures that are each distinct and mm-hmm. just very cool also big babies in this I, i'm looking at it now yeah. um big babies in, in this um um and i feel like picture. also in terms of the the sort of um craft of the comic th- this is a really good technique that abaddon uses a couple of times especially also with the the big map of throne um mm-hmm. to kind of give the reader an opportunity to um to like take a deep breath and kind of proceed at their own pace through mm-hmm. uh like almost a recap of everything that's happened so far all these conflicts that are set up the setting etc um mm-hmm. in a way that's important when your first 50 pages are like world building and exposition um like still mm-hmm. very like gripping and interesting world building and exposition and stuff but in terms of anchoring the reader in the imminent conflicts that are going to happen uh I feel like yeah. those pages are not just incredibly cool and pretty, but also very uh, important to the the flow of the comic. Mm-hmm. It kind of like sets the scene almost like here is everything all at once, process it in your own time, and then everything's about to kick off. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out that on that page... Uh, the guilds are riding, uh, like, prime angels as mechs, mm-hmm. which is very cool. <laughs> and you can definitely yeah. see um, the <laughs> the sort of, well, maybe not, like, the beginnings of Lancer, but uh, y- you can definitely see that Abaddon really likes mechs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, mechs are, mechs are very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you ever watched evangelion mm-hmm. but i have very cool very it, it reminds me of kill six billion demons i think in sort of i think aesthetic wise even though where evangelion is kind of empty mm-hmm. kill six billion demons is very busy like yeah. scene wise i mean both both feel very like lived in and very mm-hmm complex right if you look at like Mm -hmm. oh god how am i supposed to pronounce this like nerve hq uh uh, there are there are wires and tubes going everywhere um there are like um like workstations and ducts and everything like set up like people would need to use this to live and there's I guess i guess the point i'm trying to make is there is a lot of thought that goes into the like backgrounds of kills yes. and spilling demons um and they're kind of intricate and 
well thought out and almost dilapidated in the same way that the stuff in uh, Ava is. Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking of uh, last night I watched uh, or rewatched uh, Akira, which um, mm. I, I watched it dubbed this time, and the dub is pretty rough. Uh, but it is, it was also a big, or at least I'm just going off of my knowledge here. I don't know if this is actually true, but it seems to be a big aesthetic inspiration for Ava as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and in terms of like complex mega city, uh, where like definitely dystopian, definitely cyberpunk. Yes. Uh, I, I can see how that influence trickles down into KSBD as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I I would argue, though, that, like, KSBD is not as, like, pessimistic as, uh, like, Ava and Akira, which are both sort of Japanese works about, like, the after effects of weapons of mass destruction and the end of the Mm -hmm. world. And, I mean, I guess similar themes with um, Kill Six Six Billion Demons with, you know, the demiurges and the after effects of this giant war conquest that Mm -hmm. has happened. Um, But it it feels more hopeful, kind of. Yeah, definitely. Um, Which is nice. I'm trying to put my finger on why, but it's... I I I think it's like... Sorry, go ahead. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, I think a part of it is because, um, I don't know, Allison's humanity and sort of drive to just keep going and keep fighting while also learning about different things, I think adds to, um, the sort of hopefulness of, oh, maybe they can win. Maybe, (laughs) maybe White Chain won't die. Maybe. Did you see the alt text for the most recent page? It was like, no. White Chain's mantra has evolved over the course of the comic. I hope it can. Conti- I hope she gets the opportunity to continue to evolve it. I'm like, fuck you, no. Tom. You know no. whether or not she's gonna be able to keep us <laughs> in suspense like this. <sighs> but yeah, actually tragic. I totally agree with you. With like the protagonist and kind of the anchor of Kill Six Billion Demons is able to work through and come out the other side in a better place than, like, the protagonist of Ava, uh, Shinji, who is mm-hmm. a little piece of shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the the sort of, like, fraught, toxic um, relationship between um, Kaneda and Tetsuo in Akira. Um but I, I definitely oh. think I, I definitely agree with you in that uh, it, it's really the protagonist being hopeful and being able to grow mm-hmm. in in ways that matter is what makes KSBD feel so hopeful in the face of such a like a broken world. Yeah, I definitely also think that. Um... Alice, not Allison, um, CO and White Chain have a big sort of role in making things or having things feel hopeful because their growth and relationship with Allison feels different than how maybe like other sort of, not side, like side characters interact with Shinji in Evangelion. 
Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, White Chain and CO both have their faults, but mm-hmm. they are definitely not as... They're definitely not <laughs> harmful to uh, Allison in the sort of ways that uh, mm-hmm. Asuka and Ray are horrible to Shinji. Not of their own faults, but, like, because, like, they're all just kids. Like, that's that's sort of the thing. Yeah. Is this an Ava podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> it could be. But also, I think um, this is a future note for us but maybe looking at allison's journey through the lens of you know like the hero's journey Mm -hmm. um and where she is maybe before book five comes out but that's for future us yeah it's a problem for future us to discuss i i definitely think that would be interesting because or at least i can easily see like in book one she is immediately thrown into this other world right and i don't Mm -hmm. remember a lot literally thrown into this other world. yeah from my high school english classes uh Mm -hmm. but i think that's like step one or two (laughs) um (laughs) and the end of book one is basically like her choosing to um like follow the call instead of resist it um which yeah is is another big part of that it's definitely a good uh, topic to file away in there. Mm. I definitely think that the end of book one is one of my favorite parts in the series. Like when she um, is finally back in her room and um, with this giant sword and weird mm-hmm. clothes back in sort of her mundane life. And then all of her friends come to check on her. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about that for a second? Oh, yeah. Um. This is, like, her relationship with her friends, and especially Marissa, uh, who is, if you haven't recently reread the comic, Marissa is, like, her um, best friend from a long time in her sorority. She's the one who said, like, I'm gonna cook you food all menacingly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Hikey mom friend vibes. Yeah. Uh, through Marissa is really, like, the only... Um, or one of the best ways we have to understand pre-comic Allison. Mm-hmm. We, we, there's like a lot of stuff that we can definitely infer from Allison's actions in the comic, but through Marissa, we can also see like more clearly her, I was about to say like real life insecurities, but like her mm-hmm. like earth behavior. Um, and from like that we can pick up like i mean this stuff is going to seem obvious for people who have read uh book 3 which is the 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 mammon one but like mm-hmm. um insecure about a lot of stuff very nerdy very yeah. very into sailor moon i was i was when i was rereading it i was surprised at how much sailor moon like paraphernalia that i missed looking at the first time yeah 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 but there is so uh, much in her room there are posters there's like a picture of her dressed up as sailor moon for halloween mm-hmm. and that's really cute um and it also kind of um yeah definitely with book three um or at least when she was talking with incubus um you see that kind of uh reflected in her talk with incubus mm-hmm 
But there's also a lot of like little details that I definitely missed the first time. Um, just looking at Allison's room, which seems very... It seems so normal compared to the rest of the comic. Like, there's a post-it note on her pin board that says grad school and, like, Polaroids with her friends. And it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition with um, the rest of the adventure, I guess. Yeah, those are some really lovely details. I believe the word is, like, versillimitude? Mm -hmm. I might be pronouncing that wrong, but um, I think even... Like we've talked a lot about how Abaddon does a great job um, showing the sort of lived-in and decaying nature of Throne, but also mm-hmm. how like he does a great job with, I guess, like selling Allison's normal air quotes room and the uh, sorority house as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also really enjoy her friends being very concerned, mm-hmm. um, especially about the sword. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I really hope we see. Hmm. Oh, I mean, I don't know how the comic's gonna end, but at this point, like, her friends must be super super worried about her. Yeah. Um. So I. I hope we get uh, some closure on that as well, because like rereading this, I am like I I'm beginning to care a lot more about um, her relationship with Marissa and the rest of her friends, uh, mm-hmm. and that that's definitely something I, I want to see revisited as a sort of uh, what's the word like a synthesis of like pre. Um, mm-hmm. Pre-throne Allison and post-throne Allison, yeah. I think, um, at least this uh, scene in particular, I've never really thought of the end of Kill Six Billion Demons in, like, a tangibles sort of way. Like, I knew knew that there was eventually going to be an ending, but I don't know if it's... Or what I want the ending to be, sort of, in, like, do I want it to be, like, she... See you on White Chain living in a house happily ever after. Or, like, she goes back to her normal life. Or, uh, yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not sure what I really expect or so, no, I yeah, guess. You saying that made me think of, like, a parallel between the sort of living arrangement she has before Throne, and also the living arrangement that she has at the beginning of Book 4, with mm-hmm. all the all the girls in the, like, skull of the god <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And that sort of... I guess it that, that sort of parallel helps you see the, um, like, through line of humanity in Allison and her friends... Um, mm-hmm. even in like this weird uh like foreign place to her, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool and something I didn't really pick up on, yeah, I think definitely one of my favorite, and I don't like to call it a, a trope, and I'm using air quotes here because um I think it's important, but I really like found family as kind of like a thing that happens in media, yeah, 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 I gotcha, and um. Just, you know, all the characters living, <laughs> living in the same house. Mm-hmm. 
but you know and yeah it's it's interesting to see how Allison's humanity manifests in this strange new world I guess mm-hmm. yeah I want to for a quick second want to point mm-hmm. out the sort of differences in art um throughout the books uh mm-hmm. I I feel like it's pretty clear how um, Abaddon has improved quite a lot since book one. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, like, there's a lot of detail and there's a lot of care and talent put into all of the art in book one. But, uh, like, if you look at the first picture of Sio and, like, what she looks like now, or if you look Mm -hmm. at... There are some pictures of Allison where... um, her face looks really different than it does currently. Um, and mm-hmm. I I think that it's really interesting to look at the comic as a sort of um, timeline of Abaddon's like proficiency with, uh, mm-hmm. with, with this medium. Um, as especially as you get into like book three or four where um like book four i believe he said is like uh not an excuse to do this but an opportunity (laughs) to draw um like to get better at anatomy and action poses and stuff like that and when you compare Mm -hmm. um maybe that uh like uh, Solomon David's fights and um, some of White Chain's uh, like action in Book Four, to, for example, like the first fight scene between the, what what is it like, um, the, I don't know who whatever gang that Goblin guy leads Premnond I think his mm. name is, uh, yeah yeah like the first big fight that we sort of. Yeah. Uh, or another example is like some of the ways that the demiurges are drawn in the flashbacks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you can you can definitely see and appreciate how how much the the comic has grown in the past uh, five years. Which, as an amateur artist, that stuff is 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 super cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the fight scenes definitely have evolved, I guess, in their own way. Um, Which is, like you said, very cool to see. Mm -hmm. But also, I think, one thing that I noticed, at least when I was um, sort of trying to look at the art style and, um, I guess, blocking of those scenes is, you know how when some characters are introduced, it gives you, like, a little blurb yeah like about them like gun witch mm-hmm. this is stuff about her um you can definitely kind of gives sorry me... you can definitely also see that um with like the demiurges as they're introduced in later books mm-hmm. it kind of gives me uh scott pilgrim vibes in a good way yeah um also like um almost uh, like Studio Trigger vibes. Remember when we watched mm-hmm. Promare uh, a couple weeks ago? Ooh, yeah. 
um, and they do the the same thing with the text, although it, it's a little bit different. But um, definitely, and I think that sort of there's a lot of like really interesting comic shenanigans Infant, that yeah. Abaddon pulls in in book one. Um, another example is like there's a shot of like all the gods telling their stories and like creating the mm. the multiverse. And then the mm-hmm. next shot is like the same gods, but or not shot, but like panel is the like the corpses of those gods, um, and the the colors are a little different and stuff like that, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that um, is established really well in book one is how Throne is kind of a rotting city, yeah. but also very alive, I guess, in the way that i guess a decomposing body might be alive lovely image yeah no i, I totally welcome. get you um, and it's very cool sorry. to see like hmm? go ahead like the just the like i think it's when white chain and allison are looking over the balcony and you can see um all just like the heads poking out of the sort of I don't know if those are clouds. I don't know what they are, mm-hmm. but mist question mark. Yeah. Um another like really great detail along those lines is uh when the like during or in the in the page that has the big map of throne, it says like mm-hmm. infinite water springs from whatever like something that's exhausted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it said, they once had healing properties, which is a great detail to sell, like, the fact that this oh, city yeah. is, like, has been run into ruin um, so, so horribly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really like that, um, that spread. Mm-hmm. That's actually where... Um, I got the I, on our Twitter header, um, the throne is is from that spread. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the all of the different ways that Abaddon plays with font, like for that throne, or for like sometimes when the demiurges talk, uh, is mm-hmm. is super interesting as well, and is, I mean, more than just interesting, like from a sort of craft perspective it is like energetic in a way that Mm -hmm. can't exist with just like um typed text Mm -hmm. and i i just i as i was flipping through i just noticed that there is a switch between um chapter two page 20 and chapter two page 21 where it goes from typed like the um dialogue sort of uh bubbles go from typed text to written like handwritten font chapter two page 20 and chapter 21 two page 21 and that's let me uh scroll through that it goes back to uh oh it alternates between like some pages 
So chapter two, page 20 is Allison and White Chain talking, right? Mm-hmm. Drinking coffee. And then the next one is, yeah. Um, oh, it might just be the pages with a lot of text are typed. <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah. But it's it's kind of a nice little touch. Also, mm. Abaddon's handwriting is really neat. Yeah, that's that's very good handwriting for. Um, oh God, this is the two twenty four is the uh, page where the bus arrives. Oh, mm. I love it. There's like it's so good. A cat person, a flaming skull <laughs> in a suit of armor, a radish person ri- driving the bus. It's amazing. What are these? hammocks oozing green slime i don't know it's great <laughs> um it's a very good sorry good vibes <laughs> just uh, good vibes can we um change subjects real quick and talk about uh the characterization of white chain versus mm-hmm. delicious uh, which is something i picked up on Yes. White Chain is introduced interestingly. How do you mean? Kind of like a, a I don't know. I think the from the first introduction to maybe this is just because I've reread it, but her first introduction to where we are now in the story you can see a lot of growth in her character. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's in, like, full, like, egg mode, denial mode. Um, <laughs> in When, like, in the first couple of pages, uh, the Slaver's Guild master, like, calls her gender into question and she almost like mm-hmm. blushes or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And also one thing I, someone said on the discord maybe that I didn't really, th- that I hadn't seen with my own eyes was that she's wearing pants. Like she's wearing jeans when she's oh, first shit. introduced. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about white chain wearing jeans. White chain can wear jeans as a treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, yes. Um. I mean, it, it's cool. It's just something like I didn't expect, or I didn't really believe until I had seen it, because like, angel armor is just like armor, but. Mm-hmm it's it's kind of funny um and so so one thing i want to bring up is that uh she when talking to allison i believe she um identifies herself as a peacekeeper um Mm -hmm. she says like i'm a peacekeeper not a police officer um as she is holding uh comb which, as we know, is, like, a symbol of the angels and their, um, sort of non-violent or less violent nature. 
it's it's kind of hard to mm. like pin that down. But um, Aesmus Comb, for those who don't know, is like a story mentioned once in book four about um, how Aesma, who is a god, might be Prim's Comb, I forget, uh, mm-hmm. told an angel who was like beating up a, a person to hold her comb. And the angel was like, all right. And then the angel realized that, like, oh, no, this duty is too much. I I need to protect this comb. I can't possibly, like, beat up this human at the same time. So then <laughs> it stopped beating up humans. But, uh... I mean... I think... Hey, yeah. I think it's, um... The, the way White Chain identifies herself uh, as mm-hmm. a, like, peacekeeper, specifically... And as someone who is mistrustful of uh, her brethren, um, she specifically says, like, I can't hand you over to, uh, to to Allison. Like, I can't hand you over to the other angels because I don't trust that they would do something yeah. good with uh, the key. Um, mm-hmm. I think that and, and as well as uh, her, like, when the um, like crime boss or whatever uh like questions her gender to her face sets up Mm -hmm. her story and her arc that we're seeing play out now um really Mm -hmm. really subtly and effectively um very very early on so Mm -hmm. definitely appreciate that uh in a reread that I, i couldn't really appreciate on the first read through yeah, I also, one thing that I noticed is that when we are first introduced to White Chain, we can't see her eyes, which I think is an interesting design choice. Mm-hmm. And I think that as we sort of get to know White Chain better, and then White Chain sort of gets a sense of humanity almost, mm-hmm. like we see more of, um, or throughout her journey, we see different versions of her face. Yeah. Which I didn't... Which I kind of noticed, but it's more... It was more prominent through this read, I think. Definitely. I think I think that's also... That also plays into Allison's characterization a little bit. Maybe not her characterization, mm-hmm. but it helps... Um, it helps the audience understand the sort of alienness of white chain to allison Mm -hmm. as like someone who literally does not or or not literally does not but whose eyes are invisible um which is Mm -hmm. like a very inhuman thing um and that kind of helps us understand where allison and white chain are coming from Mm -hmm. yeah it's very i this is a small detail but I wonder what happened to White Chain's apartment. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Why aren't they all crashing at White Chain's apartment? Also, I guess angels can eat food. Or drink tea, at least. Yeah. Um, they definitely can drink tea. Because Juggernaut Star, (laughs) we talked about this last time, (laughs) but when Juggernaut Star, Juggernaut Star is all about tea. And uh, when they're introduced, uh, like, the first thing they say is, come join me for tea and we will discuss the return of your body. Um, mm. Which I, I know by heart because that's 
my favorite page. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, definitely, like, my guess is that's probably, like, along the lines of, uh, like, a thing they can do for fun, but that they don't necessarily have to. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would drink tea for fun if I could. I mean, y- you can. I can't. Wow, that that's an ability that I have. <laughs> Sorry, that was weird. Um, <laughs> one thing I do want to mention about Angels uh, is Delicious. I forget uh, their full name, but they are a, a pedal old knight, I think, mm-hmm. in the service of Little Goblin Boy. I need to... I've called him, like, Slave Master, Crime Boss, whatever. His name might be Premnand. Um, but he's, he's the recurring goblin crime boss that we see. Uh, and Delicious is working Wait, for him. Wait, the cat? I'm sorry? The cat? No, Man not, boss. not the big cat. It's, it's little goblin boy, um, who, oh. who like smashes the little head of his scepter and goes, excellent. Mm-hmm. And there's a big smoke bomb. Oh, right, 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 right. And he's also like employing that big demon, um, Bad man? Is that what his jacket says in book four? Bad. No, man. that's Oscar. Oh, right. that's Oscar. I I want I want a jacket like that. I think that's yeah. Oscar's coat is very cool, and I think that we should revisit that sometime. However, <laughs> how cool Oscar is. Yes, I I'm all for that. Um, but. One thing I want to point out is Delicious is um, kind of antithetical to White Chain, at least at first, right? They are, um, like, they present incredibly queer, and Mm -hmm. they work for a criminal, and they're an angel. And White Chain is like, I I don't understand. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm confused. Uh, and, and later we see, like, Delicious has been captured and is eventually destroyed by yeah. Juggernaut Star. Um, but in the fight between Delicious and White Chain, uh, something I completely missed the first time around was Delicious actually kisses White Chain. Yep. Um, and yep. <laughs> White Chain is just, like, struggling so hard with, like, who she is in that moment and, like, what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. and I think Delicious is, like, a good, um, is, is used here as a way to set up the sort of angel struggle and an example of, like, what an angel can be, but what White Chain is sort of afraid of being, mm-hmm. um, and that, that she, like, is almost worried about becoming in a way like Mm -hmm. uh she is is something about herself that she does not understand i think that's a better way of putting it Mm -hmm. yeah i think one thing that i keep saying one thing that book one does really well it does a lot lot of of things. things very well um is setting up all of the character arcs that go down within the next four books really so i mean like, i agree so, with you on white chain and allison but can you tell me a little bit more about like 
CO in that case? I mean, CO... I don't know. I think that the book introduces CO really well, but also... Oh, I can't remember. Is this the book that she comes back for Allison? I don't know. Just leaving the sort of employment. Um, and then I think we see more growth in book two, mm-hmm. or more of that setup. And especially um, in book three, when you learn more about her past. Yeah. Um, I'm also thinking, like, specifically, you said leaving her employment, like, uh, I believe Big Cat Golden Devil is, like, was her husband at one point, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the the fact that, like, when Allison jumps and says, like, what about my boyfriend? And Seal goes, boyfriend? Um, is, Idiot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Essentially. Is definitely, like, is the beginning of that arc. But uh, I think a lot more CO stuff happens in, in book two as well. Like I, that when mm-hmm. she shows back up and is like, I'm a fan fiction writer. Oh yeah. Um, Definitely a good part of her character. Also, I like how Maya is the very powerful way Maya is introduced in book one. Mm-hmm. You know, reach heaven through violence. Yeah. Um, like, especially because Allison looks at her and she's like, and we talked a little bit about this last time, but Allison looks at her and yeah. she's like, you're a human. And that turns out to mean very little. <laughs> yes, it does. Especially in the context of Maya, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, oh, it- yeah, I'm, I'm looking through my notes, seeing if there's anything else we should talk about oh um uh what do you feel about Zoss's bowling ball helmet hmm I think that it was okay it kind of reminds me of a coconut as well mm-hmm. um you know Zoss has an interesting fashion sense of fashion <laughs> i'm i'm uh, gonna go on record saying i don't like the bowling ball look <laughs> I, I mean it, it was good in like making it s- seem like oh this is a very strange and sort of alien character but also mm-hmm. if i were a very powerful person i would not wear a coconut helmet (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i definitely agree with you on the like it's another thing to make it seem strange and Mm -hmm. also like i think the first time we see zoss like zoss's head is near the end of book one um yeah when he says kill six billion demons um Mm -hmm. so like maybe it's different for a first time reader like maybe it's I, I think it may be more effective if if you don't know that he's a person. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, it looks he it definitely of... looks silly. <laughs> yes. Also, um looking at his face now, um I don't know if you've ever watched 
um the movie The Guardians. No, uh, not the I, owl I movie, but the one with Jack Frost. Mm-hmm. He kind of looks like Santa, and now I can't unsee that. Is that like um, the like the Russian daddy Santa? You know, dislike those words, but they're very accurate. <laughs> so yes. I know yes, very little about this is. movie. It's okay. Um, he is Russian Daddy Santa, so you know what? <laughs> We're just gonna go with that. Um, but yeah, also, um, it's interesting being introduced uh, to the other Demiurges. Like, our my first impression of them was like, they're kind of like a squabbling council almost mm-hmm. until big boy Jagannath comes in, but it kind of, I don't know, gives you a sense of who they are, which is a squabbling council a little bit. Yeah. I also think the, the, like the introduction that white chain gives them, um, mm-hmm reinforces that as well uh when when she's yelling about like they are um what is it seven black emperors each with like uh a uh a a slice of all all the multiverse and then like if one key if one key happens to fall out of place uh they will come for your head um Mm -hmm. and the the art in those those pages of white chains flashback is mm-hmm. like absolutely nasty and i think that mm-hmm. also really sells the um the the demiurges and how just like fucking gross it is that they're the the people in charge yeah definitely also um Looking through the art, there's... Uh, I forgot her name. She's the one who has trusband. Modem? Modem says perish, and all I can think of is that Obama movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. But yeah, I think especially with, like, you see um, Agagagog sort of reforming her face of worms Mm -hmm. definitely like they they are very you don't like them at first yeah and i think that's like a good i think the comic does a good job of like holding on to that even when we get to know them as people um Mm -hmm. because they're like even when they are like showing off their power and being cool in air quotes um all of these other interactions with them uh and we've talked about this with solomon david in detail and incubus but -hmm. just show that they're like petty and nasty and pathetic yeah and they all just kind of care about themselves and then whatever sort of um i guess sin they uh they represent Mm mm-hmm Yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about in book one, or uh, have 
do, do you feel like we've gone over this uh, pretty exhaustively? I think we've went through every sort of section, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely interesting to talk about this right before where we are now in the story, right before White Chain's big fight with yeah. um, Salami Dave. Book four, White Chain's big fight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I think the the most interesting thing to me when when rereading this is just how much of it is well how little of it is action and plot Mm -hmm. um the pacing is really different than i remembered Mm -hmm. and so much of it is like flashbacks and exposition and stuff like that and it I, i it does it like really well um and I, I definitely think Abaddon does a great job, like, Abaddon is really, like, prudent and very patient when it comes to, to pacing these books, and mm-hmm. although it, it was kind of hard to see without going back and rereading it, uh, I definitely think Kill Six Billion Demons is, like, a great, like, book one, Kill Six Billion Demons, is, um, like, a great display of that patience and that prudence, um, mm-hmm. and how effective it is at setting up all these different arcs and making us care about the the plot and all the different mm-hmm. characters that we now know and love very much. Yes, very much so. All right. Um is that all right. it for book that, 1? Yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. We've been talking for a while. I think this is going to be one of our longer ones. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a lot to cover. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. And this is, I believe, the shortest book. So can't wait until we get to <laughs> book four, which is going to, seems to be like. Yay, book four recap. At least 150 pages, probably. Ooh. Ooh. Um, oh, yeah. It's at 146 right now. It's going to be big. Um, but, <sighs> yeah. yeah uh, I also. Um, feel like we should N- not that we are in like a special position to be able to comment on this past week's events. It is um, June seventh right now, uh, mm-hmm. but I I feel like we would be remiss to uh, not use our platform to say Black Lives Matter, and that uh, if you are out there and protesting or donating or helping in any way you can. Uh, to mm-hmm. stop police violence, especially against black people and other people of color or queer people in the United States or around the world. Uh, you are doing mm-hmm. a fantastic job and we support you and we are doing what we can as well. Um, it's been a rough couple of weeks and we can only hope that our efforts combined will uh, bend the course of history towards justice. Um, please stay safe mm-hmm. out there. Yes, please stay safe. Um, we stand with you, and Black Lives Matter. It's, um... Uh, yeah. Things have been rough, but it's hopefully... Yeah, big bummer. Hopefully big change coming soon. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Uh, we love you all. Stay safe. 
Um, wait, okay, before I do this, Sophie, have you seen the attack and dethrone god memes going around? No. <laughs> okay, there was some, like, Fox News um, infographic. Oh, wait! Yeah. Where <laughs> yeah, they, no, I know what you're talking about. They said, like, here are the six, um, like, principles of this... I don't even know what group this is. Um, this, like, anti-fascist group called the Weather Underground or something. Mm-hmm, and one of them mm-hmm. is Attack and Dethrone God. And honestly, I vibe with all of these. Um, yeah, so, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm going to leave uh, all of you travelers, all of you uh, weary people on the streets with uh, one final message. If, uh, while upon the road, you happen to meet God attack and dethrone him (laughs) (laughs) all right that's the podcast thanks again for listening you can find us at twitter.com slash radio throne you can find abaddon at twitter.com slash orbital dropkick or patreon.com slash kill six billion demons finally you can find kill six billion demons in its entirety at kill6billiondemons.com.